High Noon with George Hook. Thanks to ClaytonHotels.com with 17 hotels across Ireland and the UK. And you're very welcome back to High Noon here of a Tuesday afternoon with Kira Kelly filling in for George today. I did say we were going to be talking about irritating travellers, but apparently I was completely wrong. Although I'm sure in Brussels, Barry Kenny, there may in fact be several irritating travellers that we could talk about. I may have been one of them. (laughs) But talk to me a little bit about travelling to Brussels. Brussels, Mm. we associated with, I associated with office blocks and and the the, the, the bureaucracy of the EU. And alas, of late, terrorism. Is it safe? Short answer, I would feel yes. Um, It is, I mean, with London and Paris in the last couple of years, unfortunately, it has rightly or wrongly been a place where we start thinking things like that. Is it safe? What if there's an attack? Uh, There was obviously a major attack in March of 2016. And uh, since then, Brussels has become the the most blatant and visible security presence I have ever seen in a Western city. Um, it is effectively a city now that is policed by the military. Um, and from the moment you step off the plane or if you arrive in the city centre uh, by train, you're going to see heavily armed soldiers walking the streets. Now, of course, that's disconcerting. Yeah, does that affect the vibe and how you feel? It certainly strikes you. It's certainly an issue. Oh, my goodness. You know, they're taking this very, very seriously. Or is this a bit heavy handed? And while there's an element of reassurance in it, they turn up in the most incongruous of places. There's a place called Place Saint-Gerry, which is, it's like a smaller, less raucous version of Temple Bar, albeit, you know, very, very lively. And you're there at midnight, 1am, and everybody is sitting out in these gorgeous cafe seats outside in a beautiful warm night. And next thing, four soldiers in their 20s come along with serious weaponry walking to the streets. They stop, they look around, they assess, they move on. So it becomes the norm but it is it, it does jar you several times. Yeah, because I suppose I, I haven't seen much of that anywhere I've, mm. I've been. And I'm just wondering, does that make you feel more secure or conversely less secure? Well, oddly, I, I certainly didn't think when I saw them, oh, there's a, there's a threat, there's a, there's a risk here. And I think the fact that actually an attack was foiled just in about a, a month ago in Brussels Central train station would seem to suggest that there's a very, very high vigilance amongst these people and that their presence is having an effect. And you would hate to detract from because Brussels actually is just, you're right about associating with bureaucracy and the the European Parliament, but actually it's this gorgeous old town that feels very modern and feels very progressive and feels like a place that's comfortable in its skin and therefore is hopefully getting past So the is it a threat. place where you would recommend going for like a leisure trip? Because you know the way you might think well Paris or mm. Rome or Seville or there's these various yes. cities in, in Europe Barcelona so these places that we think oh they have a lovely ambience there's yes. somewhere I'd like to go and stroll the streets with my ice cream or my coffee or whatever. Yes. I don't have Brussels that way in my head okay. having never been to Brussels. Right. So is there is there that aspect to Brussels that you can enjoy? Completely. And the, as a, it's very ornate. It's also it's it's very manageable, it's very walkable, which is a great thing. Yeah. You don't have to hop on and off and 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 trek half an hour to see something. You can walk around very easily. It's very reasonable, and the attacks are probably part of that. And because it's an office-based and a eurocrat-based city during the week, you tend to get decent hotel deals then at the weekend as well. So we're going to start in Grand Place, right in the heart of the old town, and an ornate and grand town square that, while it's 
more spectacular than you imagined. It's also kind of smaller than you imagined. It's a quite a compact little square. And part of its appeal is the big reveal because you can only approach it by six quite narrow alleyways. So you're not seeing it off in the distance. You're literally coming around a corner and it is, wow, you've got the old town hall there. Uh, you've also got what the French called the Maison du Roi, God, the King's House, but the Dutch Flemish called the Bruthuis, the, the Bread House. And it houses the Museum of the History of Brussels. And I suppose it's a site that started as a market in the 12th century and grew in its prominence. But then the French actually hadn't realised this. The French bom- blew it up effectively or, or bombarded that area of, uh, of Brussels in 1695. It had to be rebuilt. It fell into disrepair again, as a lot of old buildings did. But since the late 19th century, back to this former glory. It is the heart of Brussels tourism with all the good and the bad that entails. Uh, you will have your eye taken out with selfie sticks all around us. You'll have people lying down on the ground take, trying to get this massive Panorama. buildings behind them. Uh, but it is gorgeous. And once every two years, and sadly not this year, uh, in August, uh, they convert it to a flower carpet for a couple of weeks and just takes over magnificent displays and literally in a, in a design across all of Grand Place. Uh, but you will get flower markets there regularly during the week, but just not the flower carpet this summer. So next summer, if you want to see the flower carpet, Absolutely. will be the time in, to go. In August each year, a couple of weeks. It also leads you on, I say the Museum of the City of Brussels, I mentioned, which goes through the history. Um, one of its displays is the 700 outfits that adorn what is probably Brussels' most famous single site. Mannequin P, I'm going to pronounce it. it may and I won't correct <laughs> P- you. P-I-S, it is spelt. And uh, this is a 61-seater tall bronze statue of a young boy urinating. Ah, nice. Yes. Nice. <laughs> and again, it I is, did say there would be toilet humour <laughs> today. Uh, there, for something that is so famous, there's no agreed story as to what it commemorates. But uh, it's basically a variation on a theme. Either it is that there was an infant lord that the troops were uh, trying to find and kill and the lord was hung in a basket and weed on the troops below uh, and the troops end up the losing. Nice, nice story in fairness. Absolutely. Or the Brussels was under siege by a foreign power and the little boy was spying on the army as they approached, as they lit their fuses to set off the explosives he put it out, ah, extinguished it, created it. an even better the, story. It is, absolutely. And then there's others about rich merchants who'd lost their son and built it as uh, a thanks to the people of the city for finding it. But it, look, it's a tourist photo staple and it's great fun. And if you are there when they put one of the little outfits on it, you'll see people celebrating and commemorating. And I mean, some of these, I mean, I don't quite get how they choose to dress them up as Nelson Mandela, but occasionally they do. Okay. Um, and indeed, We don't get the European <laughs> no. sense of humour at all, in fairness, well, do we? And I think that's something that Brussels has, is, I say that ease in its own skin, a quirky sense of humour. To the extent that Brussels in 1987 struck a blow for gender equality by the installation of Jenica P. Jenica P. The ur- urinating girl. <laughs> <laughs> Not many things leave me speechless, Barry. Um, yeah, it's and you know it's all, shall we say? You know, I mean, the pose is accurate. Yeah. And um, then, eleven years hence, nothing for it. The dog. Pee. Oh, listen. Yes, there okay. is a uh, het Zeneca. I, I'm only wondering what we would call these statues if they were in Dublin. <laughs> the other way we have yes, the the, the fluzy and the jacuzzi. Yeah. yeah. Uh, actually, five three one zero six. What would we call these statues <laughs> if they were in Ireland? These 
peeing, <laughs> yes, being... a peeing collection. Anyway, yeah, that's what they yeah. are. And it's taking the piss, really, isn't they it? are completely. <laughs> but we then have, if we can maybe raise the tone just a little just bit, a if it's at all possible at this stage. Um, you've got I mentioned Place Saint Jerry, this little warren of bars. You've also got the Gallery Royale Saint Hubert, which is a magnificent covered shopping arcade lined with high end brands and chocolatiers right in this is posh Brussels this is posh Brussels and it was deliberately developed to be posh Brussels there were too many ill-lit alleyways in this particular area and the architect Jean-Pierre Cloussonier wanted to create an area where the bourgeoisie could feel at ease (laughs) and sure enough they did it's about 200 metres in length and it's absolutely gorgeous and you'll be salivating against the windows of these chocolatiers all up and down this particular area even though there was controversy in developing it in that uh, it took them years to get the properties back from the owners of these ill-lit alleyways and a barber slit his throat as his property was taken from him Good Lord. Mm. There's, a, there's, a, there's, some, there's some background for you. <laughs> um, there are people listening, however, who are salivating in a different way and will not accept a mention of Brussels without perhaps its finest export, export which is beer. Yeah. It is, a Belgian chocolate and Belgian beer is yes. what it's known for. And we'll definitely it? get to the chocolate as well <laughs> in, in more detail. But there are about 180 breweries uh, in the country and obviously they range from the, the, the big brands to the microbreweries but it is actually on UNESCO's list of intangible cultural heritage of humanity uh, the uh, Belgian beer and it has tradition but also has a flair for individuality and that all of these different breweries are creating different brews and I think nothing sums up the range of Belgian beer more than the fact that we know it for its Trappist Monks yes, breweries. Yes, because it, it did start with the Monks, didn't yes, it? Yes, but one of its most famous beers Duvel is named after the devil so that's the full range of Belgian beer right there there's great bars because you can go to Belgian beer museums but to my mind the bars are so good and obviously for the sake of research for the programme <laughs> I decided I, You I would are have nothing to if not you know thorough and professional in, in this to, role to, Barry. To, to the end the Delirium Café claims the world record for the most number of beers available in a single bar over 3,000 You know Kira, when you go into a bar and you say, uh, can I have a look at your drinks list, right? This is like somebody handed you the old 021 phone book to have a flick through because they don't just have beers, they've got other drinks as well. And it's and got... It's, that can't be all on tap though, clearly. No, no, you'd be cleaning a lot of pipes yeah. in that situation. Uh, but there's three floors and the dark and atmospheric basement is the best part of it in my mind. Uh, you kind of have the serious beer aficionados down there and I presume they've probably got three or four bottles of each in a basement back there and if you take something from page 740 of the drinks list they'll be cursing you as they go back to get it uh, but it's a good um, gimmick uh, there's also a place called great place for a beer club to go in, for a holiday well, I mean as a pub crawl destination I mean not that we'd be recommending no, that, that by won't. any not, means no. Barry but, but yes I hear you I, I, I also want to take that there's the Green Lab in uh, Brussels and the Green Lab is the is to um, gin what the delirium is to beer I'm perking up my ears yes Nancy. they may have been over because this gin craze passes me by I have to say it's the one alcoholic beverage I just really? cannot abide but uh, they have more than 200 uh, types here I'm sure that's been overtaken at this stage because obviously the hype and the craze that there is uh, around beer but my around gin my favourite bar in uh, Brussels is a place called Alabacas Alabacas the Lark and it's down little alleyway, down a narrow passage, and it's got this beer called Jeune Lambic Blanche, and it's 
oh, it is the most refreshing drink, alcoholic, non-alcoholic, I have ever had really? on a hot day. There's, is it weak? Because obviously a lot, it is a lot actually, of Belgian beers yeah, are quite strong. It, it's 4% actually, okay, which is yeah. one of yeah, the yeah, weak. Yeah. I mean, on a Belgian scale, yeah, no, that's like having Bud Light, you know yeah. what I mean? Um, but it has, you know, they have orange peel in the making of it. They have coriander in the making of it. And that all sounds quite horrific for a beer, but it is just the most A lot of those vice beers are a bit citricky. The, mm. Even the American ones, the Blue Moon and all, they, they yes. are quite citricky. Yeah, I think Blue Moon does originate in Belgium, but has popularised ah. uh, in the States as well. You've got Incredible bars. You've got bars dedicated to chess playing. It's called known as the Quiet Bar Tavern Greenwich. You've got A La Mort Subit, the Sudden Death Bar, and as I say, each as in each totally individual and with their own uh, character and their own atmosphere, like Le Cercueil, which is a place where the tables are made so of actual coffins. Oh, <laughs> Actually, I think that'd be quite good fun. Yes. So the nightlife is, is very bar-based and kind of cafe culture, yes. but, but drinking outside or what have you. Yes, absolutely. The other, I mean, this is a, a city that we celebrate through what we eat and drink. Yes. And uh, we mentioned the chocolate. And um, basically, it's been a... And in serious industry since the 18th century, but enormous export industry now for the Belgians. And they got, you know, it is. One of the things about this, the chocolate they produce is not just the, I suppose, the creativity and the sculptures and the windows. It's not just the classic pralines or whatever that they, they serve up, but they've got tasting notes with their boxes of chocolates. And I mean, I've been, I, I went in and they were ordering me from the office to bring some back. And I go in, listen, I'm taking it for granted that your chocolate is good. Does it come with good reading material? You know, it is just a wonderful, I suppose, expression of that creativity. Tricia from Cork has been on to us and said that the artisan passion chocolate in the Place Grand Sablon is the best chocolate anywhere. And she also makes a good point for our female listeners. Lots and lots of cobbled streets though, so high heels are not the thing to wear, which is actually quite useful if you're just bringing a pull-on yes. bag. You don't want to be in your high heels I, or even your wedges. I'll flats. agree without saying I can vouch for that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, one last thing I suppose that we eat is the, is, the, is the chips. And the Belgians are mannequin peed off at this that we call it French fries. They consider themselves to be the creator and they blame geographically confused American soldiers because they were hanging around in a country that spoke French. So les fuites are not French, they're Belgian. No, and uh, it is, they're under attack and it is the home of the European Union, as you say, but the Eurocrats are coming after the Belgian chips because of the way it is uh, made, it apparently it's this double fried uh, Yeah, yeah, which uh, is a very nice approach. way to have yeah. a chip. It's not the healthiest, but it's very tasty. Uh, ac- it creates acrylamide, which is a carcinogenic and hazardous compound. Oh, of course. And uh, they want them to blanch uh, the potatoes first. And the Belgians aren't having any of it. So they're rowing with their um, European... Lords and Masters. Coming after our chips. Yes, you can like the banana. First they came for our chocolate <laughs> and I said nothing. Yes. Um, come here to me. What, is, is that the main food? Kind of mules and fritz kind yeah, of thing? Is, it, is it that, really is. That, is. is that the yeah. diet no, a gorgeous, you're going to be eating? There's a gorgeous Irish-owned restaurant called Biamara uh, in the heart of Brussels. Two guys who started in farmer's markets here in Dublin and they set up first and they have outlets now in London and Antwerp as well. You want to see this place. It is out the door. It's a complete Irish success story right in the heart of Brussels uh, with lovely kind of that kind of 
almost Japanese style breaded fish uh, that they're serving up. Lots of people are getting, getting mm. involved. Barry. Someone says, come on, guys, Brussels is a kip. The old town hall, come on. If you want to see old town halls, go to Bruges. You could see the best part of Brussels in two hours. And that's from Brian and Lucan. Uh, people do talk about Bruges being... A yeah, I haven't I, been. Uh, no, yet, nor I, yes. I only know it from the, from the, from the film. From the film. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> yes. But, but in uh, F and Bruges, yeah. <laughs> there is something about the, the perception that, mm. that, 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 that Brussels is, is sort of a... a, a office block city full of just there are aspects of it. I mean, there's magnificent uh, parks. You know, there's there's old cathedrals. I do think. I, I mean, I was really quite pleasantly surprised by this uh, old town, by the ability to find your own space because you have the busy areas. You have Saint Gerry. You have, I mean, Grand Place is kind of a yes, it's a tourist trap. It's a have to see. It's a tourist trap. You can also go to the European Parliament. Um, I'm one of the last standing Europhiles, so I found this fascinating. Right? I know it is fascinating. <laughs> it is. I, I think it's because we're at a generation where at least... Our puppet masters at work. Yeah, but we're also one generation at least uh, removed from understanding what Europe was, which is basically a place where everybody tried to kill each other all the time yeah. uh, during a series of horrific yeah. wars. And you can go to the parliamentarium to see the history of the founding of the European Union, which is a hell of a lot more interesting than it sounds. You can also, if you are <laughs> in the mood for European-themed attractions, go to Mini Europe, uh, which is a little bit outside the city, uh, but basically it's kind of a theme park with 300 reconstructions of famous European uh, buildings and landmarks uh, from all over, including from uh, Ireland. But you've got everything from the Acropolis to the Brandenburg Gate and the Houses of Parliament. Easy, okay, easy enough to get there, like lots of flights. Not yeah, we we Aer Lingus and Ryanair. And as I say, obviously you don't want to... It's, it's one of these that the midweek when all the bureaucrats are travelling over and back, that's when you're paying the high fares. But the weekend, you'll always see anytime any of the airlines have a sale, you'll see Brussels there. And of course, we've got choice of two, air, two airports, Aer Lingus and Ryanair fly to Brussels and Ryanair fly to Charleroi as well. And a fairly short hop. Fairly short hop, absolutely. The wind's behind you, you're about an hour and 10 or 20, you know. We are getting some suggestions about about the, the, the statues. Uh, the weir and the pier. <laughs> <Are you sure? laughs> That's from Alice in Wexford. And a few others that, um, frankly, I can't, <laughs> no, I can't, no. I can't read out on on. on what lines with slash, you know. <laughs> oh, listen. Um, listen, thank you as ever to Barry Kenny. Uh, Travel Tuesday is always a fantastic slot. And you've, I, I have actually never had any interest in going to Brussels and now I, I suspect that I might put it somewhere on, on my list of, of places I'd like to go. My thanks to the production team today, Michael Quilligan on sound, Alex Russo and Ronan Coveney producers and Mark Simpson the editor. I will be back again tomorrow uh, for, for George uh, so you can join me then and after that later on in the week it's going to be Ivan Yates. The competition winner we have of course this week we have that fantastic break to the Clayton Hotels today and our congratulations to Tracy Kendall Kendallin in Meath. That break in the uh, Clayton Hotel in Burnington Road is yours and this week's prizes are thanks to Clayton Hotels and more of course at Clayton's Sean Moncrief is up next, so do stay tuned for that. But from me, Kira Kelly, goodbye for now and have a great afternoon.